Hi guys, welcome back to the Shores of Grace podcast. For our second episode, we will be continuing our series, Shores 101. Nick and Rachel will be talking about the start of their time here in Brazil up through what's going on at Shores today. We pray you are blessed by this episode. So welcome back to our Shores podcast. Welcome back. And uh, we left off the last one about, you know, beginning, right? So, yes. So we told the, we told the story of our calling and, and saying all that. Saying yes to Jesus, saying yes to yeah. Brazil. And that's like, that's like the awesome, like exciting part. Right. Right. And then, then there's the practical stuff. Yep. So like, okay, we have three <laughs> kids. Yeah. We have to get passports for them and we have to get visas for right. our whole family. And, and this is the part usually when people feel that calling, when they have that like initial powerful moment that God touched their heart and gave them this word, then it comes to having to follow through with with yeah. whatever God has shown you, all the practical things. And walking it out in obedience, right? Right. And, and you know, four months before... Um, we moved to Brazil. We found out that Rachel was pregnant, mm-hmm. which is you know amazing blessing. But so there's that aspect so to you, baby number four. Yeah, baby number four. You know, while we're moving, and then our 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 visa was declined three different times, and right. So anyway, just you know, big journey of getting to Brazil to begin with, mm-hmm. and it was I would say delayed in our minds, um, but we can see now God's provision and all of that. So we landed in October of 2010 mm-hmm. and Rachel was pregnant and we had our three kids. So, I mean, we landed in the first night I went to the streets right. and you were in a hotel room with our <laughs> three children and a small chihuahua that we had smuggled into the hotel. Yes. If we're being honest. Yes. It was a very tiny room and all of us had to just cram in there. And we were also doing homeschooling. So right. along with all of our bags and our tiny chihuahua, we had lots and lots of school books everywhere and kind of children laying down wherever we had space to put our kids where they could sleep. Yeah, and that's a big difference. You know, like um, today, anyone who comes to serve at Shores of Grace today, you come to an already established ministry. Yes. So even if you need to find housing, there's people here who can help you do that. Right. Uh, there's people who can sign that, people that can sponsor your visa. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's different ways to start uh, a mission and a missions base. Mm-hmm. We could probably write a book on what not to do. <laughs> Um, yep. And yet, so Stay much tuned. of that, yeah, so much <laughs> of that, though, makes up is a part of, of what we are today. Yes. And so, you know, we didn't have any of that. We didn't, we didn't come to an established um, ministry. We didn't have a relationship with the church in Brazil. Um, we knew people, but not, you know, in Curitiba where we began and even less so here in Hasifi when we, we moved to Hasifi. So really we were pioneers in the truest sense, uh, in terms of blazing a trail. Yes. And we had the help of, you know, Jonathan and a couple other Brazilians that God sent to, to support us. But we really, we really just kind of came on that word of these are my daughters. Who's mm-hmm. going to call them home for me? Right. And I remember the two years leading up to the move, even as we would pray, you know, God, what, what, is, what are we going to do? He just really didn't say anything. Nope. It was just kind of, 
you gave me your yes. Right. When you get there, you'll know. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important for some maybe listening, that's not always going to be the case, mm-hmm. right? So not everybody should just kind of haphazardly move to a country. Right. We did have confirmation from the Lord, but a lot of times it is good to get missions training, mm-hmm. you know, as our son's doing right now um, at Bethany Global. And it is good to go and, and get prepared for missions. It is right. good to learn language. Yes. And, you know, cultural training and stuff like that. But in our case, you know, we just felt like God said, go. And once you get there, right. I'll, with each step of the, of the journey, I'll teach you. And that's really how it was. So we began just going to the streets, right, in 2010. Going and finding women in prostitution and men, mm-hmm. for that matter, and just praying with them, giving them words and right. getting to know them, building relationship. That was the biggest thing was really... We started seeing God do so many things through just forming relationships, like forming a friendship with specific women in the streets of, you know, I, you always minister out of whoever you are, whatever, you know, whatever makes you special, you always minister out of that. So you might minister out of pastor, I might minister out of mom or wife or mother, you know, mother mm-hmm. of them or, mm-hmm. you know, God, God uses whatever your giftings is and whatever your roles are and getting to know their children and their families yeah. was a key thing. Yeah. And, and really that's all we had. Yeah. You know, and we're at that time we didn't speak Portuguese. We were, we were learning. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's, I always share how in first Corinthians two, one through five is like my life verse mm-hmm. because Paul says there, you know, when I, when I came to you, I didn't come with persuasive words and eloquent words trying to convince you into the gospel, Yeah, but I came teaching Christ and him crucified and demonstrating the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, Man, that was our life and that still was. is to this day. And still to this day, I think the most in-depth conversations that we had with people when we first moved here to Brazil didn't involve words at all. It yeah. was a heart connection. It eye was contact. Eye contact. Hugs. hugs. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, when people ask us now too, like, how do I begin a ministry, you know, in the red light district of my city or in clubs and, you know, those kind of things. I'm like, well, the way that we began was we went. Simple as that. Yeah, that for was For us. It. We mm-hmm. went. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't come up with some big strategy. We went and sometimes we brought roses to, to the women Sometimes we brought chocolates, little coffees, but we just went and walked up and down the the strip of the red light district and just talked to whoever would talk to us. Right. And, but what's amazing to me, and we we always tell this, but literally everything that Shores does today, everything we do was birthed in those beginning moments Mm -hmm. because our vision moving, of course, we had big dreams to see bigger things happen. And God had already put Bethany in our hearts to, to open a home for children um, but we didn't have like really detailed strategies on how we would do all of the things that we're doing today. But then with each meeting of each person that we would encounter, God would open up more um, steps in our journey to take. Yeah. So yeah. we start by going to the women in the red light district and we're meeting them. And then as we develop relationship, they would, for example, invite us to their home. And then you see their home is in the communities, mm-hmm. in, the, in the poor slums. And then you realize, huh, a lot of these women come from the slums. Right. So, man, we need to have a ministry in the slums mm-hmm. to try to work with families so that there's a form of prevention 
that they don't end up prostituting because their family has encountered Jesus and had some, you know, element of restoration. So then our ministry to the communities began all the way back in Kutachiba. Right. You know, and then we, we, because we, we moved here, for those of you who maybe don't know, who are just finding out about Shores, we are, we're based in Hasifi. We moved here in 2011, mm-hmm. 2012. Mm-hmm. And um, so first two years we were in Kutachiba and then we moved here. And we'll maybe talk about that later on. But so we started then going to the communities. And then as you're talking to um, the women, you find out that a number of them work in the clubs. Okay, then we need to get access to the clubs to try Mm -hmm. to reach them there. And then you find out that there's young children on the streets and even young girls prostituting. You know, I'll never forget the first time in Kutachiba that I met a girl 12 years old that was prostituting right on the, the corner. Right. And then, okay, we need to open... A, a rescue home for these young girls. Mm-hmm. And and hearing from so many of the women in the red light district, how how much changed for them when they were children and they were abused. Yeah. So that formed in our mind, we need to get on both sides. We need to get on the prevention side of things. And, and intervention. And the intervention side of things of really walking out healing with each of these people that God was bringing into our lives. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, everything then that we do today is rooted in those first encounters. Yeah. And, you know, God was just so good in terms of, you know, I I don't think that I want to encourage people not to plan. Of course not. You should plan. Right. But make sure that you're always attentive to the voice of the Lord, even above and beyond your plans. Yes. And your strategies. Because... You know, especially when you're you're moving transculturally like we did, mm-hmm. you think you know a lot of things, and the truth is, you know nothing, <laughs> yes, right? That's true. Like you don't know the culture yet. No, nope. you don't know the language. You don't know the people. You know, we've been here eleven years, and we're still learning the culture. We're still learning. You know, still learning the language, um, because that's just the, the truth of moving to another culture. Right. So I think that you know. Um, for us, we just look back and it's like God was so good at guiding us mm-hmm. in each encounter and then opening our, our minds to see, wow, we need to do this too. Right. So it's not just go to the streets, but it's also these steps here. Mm-hmm. And then all, all along, God started sending people um, from Brazil and other parts of the world to come and serve. Right. And all of that began in Curitiba. And then, you know, before we ever moved to Brazil, we were praying and the Lord t- spoke a word to you, one word, and he said, Hesifi. Hesifi. Right? And I'm, <laughs> I'm like, well, let's look it up in Google. So I type it in in Google with an H. Right. You we know, put it in just like good gringos. Yeah, like an American would hear, Hesifi. Yeah. And Google did that question. Do you mean Recifi? Right. You know, for an American ear. And, and we click on it, and first of all, we see shark attack, shark attack, shark attack. It's one of the shark attack capitals of the right. world. And I'm thinking, God, maybe I misheard you. Maybe, yeah. maybe we're not supposed to move to this place. Are we evangelizing <laughs> sharks or like right. praying for healing for victims or what? But then as we studied, we realized that the northeast of Brazil in general, not just Hasifi, mm-hmm. but the northeast in Brazil and Hasifi is one of the main capitals, is you know the primary area in Brazil for child prostitution, child abuse, child abandonment, right. and extreme poverty. So then we we felt that day that's where we're going, mm-hmm. but we knew that we were starting in Curitiba. So in 2012, we moved here to Recife and uh, opened, uh, did all the same work right on the streets, going right. talking to the women, mm-hmm. doing fathers' love banquets. 
um, at the time we we're doing those monthly and would have, you know, 40 or 50 women and, and men yes. coming to the Father's Love Banquets and many ended up leaving the streets mm-hmm. through those, mm-hmm. those encounters. And the team all the while is growing. And then we opened our first rescue home, Project Bethany. And at the time, we did not know how to do rescue. Not at all. So We just had the heart to rescue. Yeah. But there's legal sides of things. There's practical sides of things. There's things about the culture that you just wouldn't, you wouldn't know, but you have to learn yeah. in order to do it the right way. Right. So we didn't know. And because of that, we would go to the streets and just bring kids home. Yes. Right. And speaking, add this to our note for <laughs> what not to do. Yes. But, you know, we would take kids off the streets and bring them to our house and put them in our kids' bedrooms. Yes. I mean, I say that now and I'm like, wow. I can't believe this. But at the time, it seemed like a great idea. Yes. And usually Rachel was home with the kids and I would come home with like a girl from the streets and be like, hey, she's going to yeah. live with us for a little while. We have a pregnant teenager and she's on drugs. And Great. Have her okay. share room with our daughters. We're going to be detoxing this girl now. Yeah. These are all the things that we had to do <laughs> and learn from so that our missionaries will not repeat. Yes. Even though we still want to sometimes. Right. But so we were taking kids to our house and then, then we, we got rented a house and put kids there. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I remember we go and, and I talk to the, the officials here in the city and I say, hey, you know, we have this rescue home and uh, we have, you know, 10 kids there. So if you guys need help with anything, we're available. And right. they're like, wait, what? What? You have a home with children? From where? Right. I'm like, from all over the streets. And they're like, <laughs> you can't, that's illegal. And I was like, it is? We had no idea. No clue. And we didn't know that was kidnapping legally. <laughs> no. You know, that's how they call that. Lessons learned. Yeah. So, but then that, again, so that then led us on this process of legalizing Project Bethany and making it, you know, a legal rescue home. Yes. Um, and in those first two years before we, we switched to Vila Betania, I think we had maybe 30 children mm-hmm. with us in that point, you know. And then we expanded, you know, and maybe in another episode we can talk about that process and some of the pain in, that, in those moments. Yes. Um, but then we expanded it to be uh, a home for 20 children instead of 10, as it was in the beginning. And since then, we've had about 100 children come through and just about 30 adoptions. Wow. And about 30 reintegrations where kids were able to be reintegrated into their home. And, you know, we're just kind of giving an overview because we're going to have some separate podcasts just to talk about each of our projects. Yes. Um, but Vila Betania really is just such a, um, an amazing part of our ministry. <laughs> um, you know, there's a staff of, of 26 people that work there full time. Mm-hmm. It's full, full-time integrated care for all of our girls. Oh, yeah. And it's 20 girls at a time. But like I said, there's already been 100 girls there and mm-hmm. baby boys for that matter. Mm-hmm. So, so today, you know, those initial encounters on the streets then led us to, okay, let's open a rescue home and let's get into the communities. So we have today the communities ministry where we work in three poorer communities around our missions base here. And we'll share about that later. We have Villa Betania, our rescue home. We'll share more about that later as well. Then we have our, what we call the Father's Love Ministry which is still going on the streets every mm-hmm. single Friday. Mm-hmm. But, but that's really grown. That has really grown. It's now, it's not only that we're 
going to the streets and forming relationships, which is where it started, is really getting to know each of these women and these men. But now they've started coming off of the streets and their their lives are being totally transformed, but they're needing discipled. So now in the, in the Father's Love ministry that, that uh, our team is doing, now we're not only seeing them come to Jesus and their families coming to Jesus, we're actually seeing them learning how to walk with Jesus yeah. every day, a regular everyday decision to be free. Yeah, their choice. Their you know. choice. Yeah, I think a lot of times, you know, we share that we don't feel so much like we do rescue as much as we do uh, equipping. Yeah. We equip and empower them mm-hmm. to make decisions for their own freedom. Yeah. It's Jesus that's the one that rescues. Yeah. He's the only rescuer, the only savior. Right. And we just co-labor with him. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so our, our, the, the ministry now that just began going to the streets every night now is going into the homes of these women, mm-hmm. discipling in small groups um, Having yeah. times of worship with their whole families. Yeah, and and uh, banquets still, and then um, coffee breaks with the ones who have already left the street. So mm-hmm. that's just grown to really, you know, a lot a lot of the ministries at Shores, each ministry would typically be a ministry. Mm-hmm. So we do many things here. Right. And if I look at the Father's Love Ministry, it's like this one ministry has multiple aspects. Yeah where usually a single ministry or nonprofit would do one of those things. And just one ministry of Shores does multiple things. Mm -hmm. Um, And then right now we have um, our our ministry as well um, to the families in the communities has expanded and to the children because what what we noticed, and this is about five years ago, God put this on our hearts, is, you know, if you think about our rescue home, Villa Bethania, when the girls come, they're kind of imprisoned, mm-hmm. but the ones who abuse them mm-hmm. are free. Right. Typically, that's the way it works. That's right. For those of you who are, are maybe new to how that works, it, it, it sounds beautiful. You know, a rescue home is gorgeous, and, and it is beautiful. We mm-hmm. love it. But it's still, in a sense, a, a prison because the girls are court-ordered there. Right. And they're there because their rights were violated. They were abused. Right. And what, what we might see as... You know, from a, a, a healthy mentality, yeah. you need to be protected. So we need to keep you in this place so the people that did this to you can't get to you. Yeah. But someone that's been hurt, that's had all of their rights violated, sees that as they're imprisoning me. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, the, the, the perspective of the locked door. A son sees a locked door as protection and an orphan sees a locked door as imprisonment. Right. And so... It is still, you know, it's still an institution is kind of what I'm saying. And so we started to see that and we're like, you know, God's doing amazing things in the lives of our girls, but the guys who are abusing and the people who are abusing are still free. Mm-hmm. We need a legal team. So those five years ago, we started dreaming for right. that. Right, yeah. We need a legal team of attorneys that will fight for the rights of these children, that will fight for justice and for sentencing of the the abusers, mm-hmm. but then also will help the families, you know, as they, they move on from their from their abuse. And so just last year we opened Sikafi, which mm-hmm. is our defense center. Right. And we have um, a team of attorneys, five attorneys right now. Right. And a technical team of psychologists and social workers. And really it's the first of its kind mm-hmm. in our state. Mm-hmm. And we thought we would start slow, but as is Shores' way, 
<laughs> we are not starting it's, slow. Yeah. So we now have 45 cases that we're, right. we're handling. And mm-hmm. our legal team works exactly that, to work for sentencing, to make sure that the ones who did abuse are going to jail and paying the, the price, that there's justice happening. Right. But then our technical team accompanies the, the children and helps their families too. So we, have, we just had our first family support group mm-hmm. last week, super powerful. So there's so many aspects to, to what we are doing now as a ministry. And I think that if I share our mission and our vision, it kind of helps put all this into perspective. You know, when we first came here, our vision was and our mission was basically, we want to see the broken set free or the captive set free, the broken restored. You know, we want to see people rescued from prostitution. Right. That's kind of what it was. Mm -hmm. And then as we've grown in the Lord and, and, and I should say, as the team has grown, right? In the beginning, it was just us and our children. And now, it's you know, a, it's a little bigger now, huh? Just here in Hasifi, we have probably 90 people between full time staff um, workers and full time missionary staff. Yes, not including our other bases in yeah. other cities. Yeah, not including the other bases. So it's grown massively, and, and it would be impossible to do everything that we're doing without our team. Our team's amazing. Um, but looking at the, the mission, the mission, and the vision, the mission. <laughs> the mission. Start that part again. The mission. No, no it's okay. They can put it no, in. It's kind of funny. Oh, right. The mission. It's no. like if you take mission and vision okay. and put them together. You can edit this part. <laughs> or you don't have to. But <laughs> the mission that we have now as a ministry is to love God with our whole selves and by his love to rescue and restore those individuals and families who have been wounded by prostitution, abuse, abandonment, and poverty in Hasifi, in Brazil, and in the world. And then the vision is to see revival among the poor and reformation in the areas of prevention, intervention, and restoration of individuals and families through the revolutionary love of God expressed in fellowship, discipleship, education, shelter care, adoption, and cultural transformation. Just reading that. (laughs) That's why we're tired at night. Yeah, that makes sense. It makes sense. That's why I drink eight coffees a day. (laughs) But just reading that, can you imagine Rachel of 11 years ago? No. If you knew, not only would that be the vision and mission, but that we're actually doing those things. Right. That's why I think, you know, God doesn't tell us all of those details. In those beginning times when we were like, God, I'm, I want to see what you're going to do in Brazil. I want, what, what are all the things that you want, want to do in my life? And it, there was a time where we just felt like, God's not responding, but really it was his mercy. It was his mercy. Because had we seen all of the things that we were going to go through. Yeah, we wouldn't have gotten on the plane. We wouldn't have gotten on the plane. All of the the price that we had to pay in order to see freedom in, in our lives, in our family's lives, and in turn in the lives of others around us. Yeah, I think um, we'll have to do an, a separate episode Let's we'll talk to our producers to do a separate episode <laughs> yeah. of, you know, the, the pains along the journey mm-hmm. and the beauty that God brought from those pains. Absolutely. The beauty that he brought from ashes. Yeah. Um, because that's so much a part of the ministry, but it's also so important for our listeners that they would understand and know, you know, you know Jesus or Paul said, you know that if we would if we would share in the suffering, then we would also share in the glory. Right. And Jesus said in John sixteen thirty three, in this world you will have 
tribulation, mm-hmm. but be of good cheer or, or take courage because I've overcome, the, overcome world. the world. And that's really just such a, a, a story for our whole ministry, not just of what we've gone through, but in everything, because the areas that we work in are not just quick testimony areas. No. Right? We're going to have some other episodes where we talk about our core values, but one of our core values is urgency and consistency mm-hmm. because the vast majority of the people we work with, you're talking about long-term restoration processes. Mm-hmm. And yes, God comes miraculously and encounters people and, and has these big moments, and we love those, but still that person then needs to learn to walk in freedom. Right. So, so much of, of what we, we work in and the people we work with is that thing of you will have tribulations. Mm-hmm. You're going to have ups and downs. That's right. But maintain your, your courage, maintain your faith because Jesus has overcome the world. Mm-hmm. And if we stay close to him, we'll overcome as well. So, you know, I think that if we talk about the things that Shores is doing now, it really is the full spectrum of prevention, intervention, restoration. And then we didn't even talk about doing schools because we're in the world of the pandemic, right? So we're not right. really doing a lot of schools. <laughs> yes. Um, but normally we're doing schools and training new people for missions mm-hmm. um, and training new people to pursue their callings and through these same things. So, so really it's kind of the full spectrum that we're doing. And it's really amazing to me because I still just see myself as that guy like on the streets, Mm-hmm. But we're doing a lot more than that right now. Yes. But but I don't think we should ever lose that heart. You know, no. I don't ever want to think like, yeah, we're, we used to be just people that went to the streets. Like, yeah. we'll always have that heart because just as Jesus went, you know, through the alleyways and the streets calling his disciples, mm-hmm. we need to have that same mentality. Yeah. And we, we can, it's so easy when when you're seeing people on the streets every day and you're seeing women in prostitution all the time and hearing their stories sometimes it's it's like it's we want to make it a, a normal thing in our mind and we might lose that sensitivity mm-hmm. but one of the things that we always ask the lord is we always want our heart to break for mm-hmm. the things that break his heart yeah and and we never want that to be normal we never want that to to be desensitized. To, yeah, we don't want to be desensitized to those things because it, it is something that breaks his heart. So keeping connected with the heart of the Father in everything that we do and being surrendered to what he's asking us to do, what his desires are for each of those individuals that we're coming in contact with, it keeps us sensitive to him. It keeps us sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is doing in each of the lives of our, our women and our men and our children. Yeah. So yeah, I think just ending this episode, I'm aware that there's always going to be, you know, all sorts of people listening to this podcast, but right. some are people who have a call into missions. Right. And I think when you're pursuing a calling and God's called you to, especially if it's another land, mm-hmm. there's going to be so many points in that journey where you have to make steps of faith. Right. And I think about, you know, a phrase we use all the time here at Shores is step in the Jordan. Mm. And that comes from the story of the Exodus when, when God's leading Israel out of Egypt, they leave Egypt and they're a people enslaved, you know, they don't know God very well because they weren't able to even worship them to their fullest. And, and when they're leaving the, the slavery, they get to the Red Sea and there God opens the waters and the people walk through. God provides the way. Right. And then 40 years later, it's a whole other generation. Mm -hmm. And now 
when they get to, and they've walked with God for 40 years, so they know God. Right. And now when they get to the promised land, now the Jordan River is blocking them and the Jordan River is flooded at that point. And this time God doesn't say, hold on guys, I'll open the waters for you. That's right. God says, call the priests to carry the ark and step in the water. And when they step in the waters, mm-hmm. I'll open the waters. Come on. So what we understand is the more that you grow in maturity with God, the more that you should stop treating God, or I should say the less you should treat God like a doorman. And more, you should understand the keys which he has given you and for which doors. That's right. And in our case, so much of what we do here at Shores was stepping into the Jordan. Yes. You know, we don't receive funding from the government. We don't have massive grants coming in. Mm-mm. We receive funding from some businesses and, and from churches and individuals. And it's just miraculous what God does. But we have never once thought we can't do this because we don't have the resources or the funding or even the people. Mm-hmm. We've stepped into the Jordan when God's called us to it. And in stepping in, God's, God's provided the way. So I want to just encourage you guys, step into the Jordan. If God's given you a word, be faithful in it. Don't stand on the banks waiting for him to open the waters. That's right. Step into the word that God's given you and he will open the way. 